Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, it is the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. That's Ryan. Over there is Matt. It's episode 508 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. we got a great show this week. Another news-driven episode uh, this week. we got two more rookies that we're going to look at in the rookie report. We're going to try to get to a question of the week. we got we got a lot to cover, but first, let's bring in Matt. Let's bring in Ryan. Matt, how's it going, dude? It's good. Uh, we got so much to talk about today, Dan. So, yeah, we probably should should get right to it. Ryan, how you doing, dude? I'm doing well. Little little overwhelmed in a good way with all this NFL news. I love it. Uh, I know that it's coming to an end, but the draft is right around the corner, so we'll we'll be flooded. Yeah, we with might more as well info. start. We might as well start with the biggest news. The startup. It was a shocker to so many people. First, Cleveland's out of the running. Then all of a sudden, the trade goes through, and Deshaun Watson is becoming a Brown. Ends up just a crazy trade, all in all, guys. Three first-rounders, a third-rounder this year, a third-rounder next year, and a fourth-rounder in 2024 for Deshaun Watson and a 24 sixth-round pick. So there was an update in compensation, Ryan. There's... Just so many twists and turns. One thing that that really jumped off to me when it was announced that Watson was going to the Browns was, what the heck happened? They were supposedly out of it. But I guess Mm -hmm. if you're going to offer all your draft picks for one player, I guess you can get back in in the running, huh? Yeah, the compensation... I mean, well, we knew that Houston had already agreed to whatever the proposal was. So I, I don't know that... I don't know how much of an impact that had in in actually pushing the deal through. Uh, of course, the the big impact we can assume is the fully guaranteed contract. That was enough to get uh, Deshaun Watson's attention, and if, and the details came out later that uh, Cleveland basically backloaded the deal. So that that first year salary, that 2022 salary, I believe, is just one million dollars. Watson, it seems, and, and everyone else is expecting a suspension, which would uh, dock some of his pay. And, and rather than it being 20, 30, 40, 50 million uh, next year and him losing half of that or a portion of that, it's just one million. So that was uh, there was already some some frustration, certainly from many who uh, who saw this trade go through and, and saw Watson, you know, rewarded, I guess we could say. Uh, and and that was kind of icing on the cake that that just really drove people, uh, you know, even further in the opposite direction. So it's our jobs to try to try to digest this thing from a dynasty standpoint. Watson in a in a vacuum, Matt Watson is if you can overlook or, or look past the the off the field stuff what's what's coming from the commissioner's office if we totally put that stuff to the side Watson should be seen as a top 3 or 4 superflex asset top 3 or 4 quarterback in our in our game but he's not valued that way just yet in fact in February he was quarterback 15 now if if you look at redraft adp for 2023 or 2022 already, he's moving closer and closer to top 10. People are expecting him to be on the field for a majority, if not all, of 2022, depending on who you talk to. So as a dynasty manager right now, how are we going to approach Watson? Not not thinking about all the off-the-field stuff. We're, we want him on our teams if he's on the field. Yeah, and I mean just... Uh... 
to, to peel back the curtain, I guess I've kind of split the difference. I've moved him up to quarterback eight, which I think he's probably once we know he's probably back on the field and is going to play, a, you know, at least most of the 2022 season. I think he does get back up into that top five range. Uh, but right now we still have some uncertainty. You know, we, we think he's cleared all his legal troubles. He's got this big contract, um, but we don't know what the commissioner is going to do yet. Is he going to add on some suspension to him? Is he going to suspend him for the entire year? Is he going to spend him for 10 or eight games, you know? Um, so I don't think we can go necessarily full bore uh, in terms of valuing him as that top three to five guy, like you mentioned. But I think that's probably the price you're going to have to pay at this point if you do want to acquire him. Ryan, if I'm a I'm a team that's rebuilding, looking towards 23, 24, I I think I'm willing to pay those kinds of prices for Watson in Superflex leagues because as we all know, we we need those guys. Not only one of them, but we need two of those quarterbacks. So, while this is still hanging over Watson's head, the suspension coming down the pike and just just all the general negativity surrounding him and the signing with Cleveland, it might be a good time to to pounce and grab Watson, especially if you don't need him, like need him, need him in 2022. I think it's definitely worth exploring, worth shopping around because you might um, you might find that manager who's who's kind of like Matt, not not, not necessarily ready to um, fully move Watson back up to where he was. Um, I don't think you'll find the manager who's honestly just doesn't want him on the roster. I think most of those people have already made a move. If they, uh, if that was just a player they didn't want to cheer for or whatever the, uh, you know, moral dilemma there, I think most of those people have already moved on. So I don't know that you can cash in on, on that piece of it as a buyer, but there is, you know, there's probably going to be some type of suspension. I don't think it'll be a year at this point. Um, you know, six to eight games seems to be the numbers that are being thrown around pretty consistently. So that's, that's what I would expect. And if, if that gets you any kind of discount, especially if you're that rebuilding team, productive struggle team, whatever you want to call it, then uh, I'm with you, Dan. I would, I would be willing to pay that, um, pay that price, especially if I'm getting any kind of so- discount. The most recent trade in the trade finder happened post uh, signing with with clean, or trade being traded clean, and it's it's Watson for Cousins a twenty three first and a twenty four first in a super flex format. That seems like a nice buy if you are that productive struggle team, giving up the veteran quarterback and a couple of first round picks for Watson, who as soon as he's on the field, he's worth four first round picks probably he's one of the most valuable players in Superflex. there are a couple of other players that we should shine a little bit of a light on to the browns made a couple of moves recently for pass catchers and it was amari cooper who they traded for of course um his adp in february 54 in march after the trade really ryan at 57 so he stays pretty much flat now, this Watson news might change that a little bit. The other guy is David Njoku. He got that franchise tag. His February ADP was tight end 24, so barely hanging on to tight end 2 status. These guys, I would expect, and you can shine some light on this, of course, as well, I would expect these guys to slightly nudge up as we get closer and closer to the season with this Watson news. I think we'll see uh, we'll see that slight nudge with Amari Cooper. Um, I mean, his value has really been, you know, it's been a roller coaster over just the past uh, week to ten days with uh, the the trade to Cleveland, which was that Saturday before free agency kicked off, and uh, you know, almost everybody viewed that as a negative. We talked about it last week, I, I believe, and we all were were uh, kind of on board that it, it was not a good thing for. Uh, for Amari Cooper, just because of not only because of Baker Mayfield there in Cleveland, but just that general offensive plan um, uh, in Cleveland that, that they're so run heavy, they're go- they're going to build their offense around Nick Chubb. Uh, so Cooper was trending down. That's when this ADP was was really getting started. So we do see a, a slight decline from February to March for Cooper. But I'm with you. I, I think it. I think it jumps back up. Not not a ton because there's still uh, there's still enough reasons to be concerned about Cooper, uh, his production, his role in Cleveland, uh, his uh, lack of experience as that um, really that true number one that's going to see a ton of targets. He's 
he's never had much success in that role and, and oftentimes hasn't even gotten the chance to have that role. So, um, yeah, with Cooper, I think we see a, a slight bounce uh, bounce back in value. With Njoku, you said it, tight end 24. I think we see a huge jump for him. Um, Austin Hooper also cut over the past few days. Uh, so that's that's uh, both of those being good things for Njoku. I think he could get close, honestly, to that tight end one range. Maybe, maybe he gets up to tight end 15 or so. So the translation there, maybe not anything for Amari, Ryan, but... <laughs> But thing for Amari? Giving up anything for Amari? Something. Something for Amari. Uh, We're giving something for Amari. Yeah, we want him on our teams. Go ahead. I'll just say I'm glad I didn't panic sell uh, after that that trade. And, you know, if you did, sorry. Sorry. I wish I had taken that whatever one week window we had when everybody was like, Cooper's done. Uh, and, and and was more aggressive on, on some trades there. But uh, I, I did try a couple of times, but was not able to get anything done. So we missed that well, window. I kind of think of Cooper value-wise and, and maybe even production-wise. We talked about Mike Evans last week with the return of Tom Brady, that Evans' value had kind of been steadily declining. And we're seeing the same with a Coop, with Amari Cooper. Um, I think they both bounce back. They both move up a little, but they're not going to be wide receiver ones in Dynasty ADP ever again. That's just kind of the reality of, yeah. of where their careers are. So uh, both both of those veterans bounce back. Uh, and I think both are nice uh, dynasty buys. And dynasty wide receiver twos, guys that you want on your roster, want yep. in your starting lineup, and, and are going to have wide receiver one type weeks. At least that's the expect expectation. I think the the main word there is expectation. If if you're expecting him to be the alpha, to be that guy that, that commands 10, 12 targets every single week, your expectations are probably not going to be met. Uh, let's jump into right into our rookie report because we got a couple of fun rookies to talk about. It's time for the rookie report. We're going to pop the seal on the quarterbacks this week, guys. We're going to talk a little Malik Willis. We'll also get to Garrett Wilson, uh, another wide receiver. But let's start with Willis, Matt. Um, I had... I've watched so much of Malik Willis over the last two or three months, really since about bowl season when when he really jumped on my radar as as a, a guy that had the potential to be the first quarterback taken. And then maybe he was raw enough and, and athletic enough to be even a top 10 NFL draft pick. Um, when I watched him the first time, I was... I was really thrown off. It felt like a guy that that always threw the ball as hard as he could, no matter how far away the receiver was. Even on flare routes to running backs or check downs, the ball was coming 100 miles an hour. And that was such a turnoff for me. And then, and then when he tried to put a little touch on the football, he'd overthrow receivers, yep. especially on the deep ball. So those negatives have stuck with me throughout this entire process. And I get it that so many people are smitten with, with his electrifying athleticism and the big rocket arm. But, you know, and I I get it that NFL teams are going to have to, if they want him, they are going to have to move him way up their draft board and take him very early. I just don't know if we as dynasty managers should be following that lead. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going the other way with him. I agree with you. One of the most frustrating things about him is you see him make those incredible deep throws and then you see him miss the really easy ones. And you're like, what is going on guy? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I missed on a player who has kind of, I think a little bit of a similar profile as him coming out. And that's someone I've hated on a lot. Mr. Josh Allen, um, who mm-hmm. was, I, I think a similar kind of player in college where he had obviously had this huge arm, uh, but had issues with the with the with uh, the short easy passes. He had issues with completion percentage. Josh Allen was only fifty six percent completion pen- percentage over two seasons uh, in college, whereas Malik Willis is a sixty three percent. So he's a little bit better there. He also broke Josh Allen's uh, hardest throw uh, at the Senior Bowl by nine miles per hour. I don't know if you guys saw that back when we were in Senior Senior Bowl season. Uh, Malik Willis threw the ball seventy five point seven miles per hour, and Josh Allen's was sixty six. So. I mean, I wrote on our agenda, maybe the, maybe the strongest arm in the NFL. I don't know if that's true or not, but he certainly has that record. 
Um, but the, the, you know, the things that, that we like for fantasy Malik Willis possesses, we want a guy that's going to run and a guy that's going to complete deep passes. And those are two things that I think he can do. Um, and he's a little bit more, um, like a, not necessarily like a Cam Newton, maybe, maybe Jalen Hurts is a better comparison. He's more of a power runner. He's not somebody that's going to, uh, you know, just burst out of nowhere, like, like Lamar Jackson, but he can run around and through defenders and he's got a stiff arm. Uh, another thing you might worry with him is that I watched, I don't know, maybe a hundred or so carries of Malik Willis over the last week or so. And I don't think I saw him slide more than like three or four times. So mm. I think you're gonna have to worry about that with him a little. I want to I want to take you back to the Josh Allen thing cuz that's what I keep hearing about when it comes to Malik Willis. Anybody you you listen to goes immediately to Josh Allen and I get that comp. There there are so many similarities. But if Josh Allen didn't make those strides, which mo- many of us thought were impossible, that that maybe he would never become a more accurate thrower and things like that. If he hadn't done that, I really feel like like the dynasty community would would hate Malik Willis right now, just like they did Josh Allen. But there have been so many guys like that that have come and gone and disappeared off the fantasy landscape because they couldn't complete the ball down the field. Josh Allen's just the one that that improved and made the strides that were necessary. And now we we so quickly want to say, well, it can happen again with the next guy that comes down the pipe that that does these same things. And I just don't think that's that's logical or, or makes a lot of sense to just assume that Malik Willis will will make those same take those same kind of steps, drastic steps, to improve as a passer. So you know, I, I'm kind of and I I was just like many. I I had lots of questions, lots of red flags with Josh Allen. All those same things still exist for Malik Willis. And just because Josh Allen did so well after those red flags were, were drawn up, um, doesn't, doesn't affect how I feel about the negatives that come along with Willis. No, I, I 100% agree with you. Like, like if we had one more bad Josh Allen season, like, would we have given up on him? You know, like, th- that's 100% accurate. Like, I think that, that we have all of these questions. But the, the thing is, is that he has this tantalizing upside. And that's what we want in mm-hmm. fantasy out of our quarterback is this upside that he provides. And if we miss, we miss. Um, so that's, I guess that's why I'm willing to stick my, my neck out a little bit for him. He's certainly not the safest quarterback well, in this draft, I don't think. But I think he had, does have that highest upside, Ryan. Well, I, I mean, I think the Hurts... Um, the Hertz comparison is a good one. In fact, uh, Lance Zerline, who I, uh, is one of the guys I really trust this time of year in his analysis, uh, I, I love his comp for Malik Willis, uh, a cross between Jay Cutler and Jalen Hurts. So, you know, Jay Cutler's arm and, and maybe Jay Cutler's decision-making as well, which was yeah. not not his best asset, uh, and, and the running ability, the athletic ability of Jalen Hurts, which Matt uh, drew that comparison as well. So Dan, I, I mean, I get your point, and am I confident that Willis will improve the same the same way that Allen has? No, obviously, I don't. I don't think any of us can safely say that. But um, Willis is going to have the draft uh, the draft capital that Jalen Hurts didn't. You know, that's one reason that dynasty players and that that Eagles fans, that people in general, have. Uh, have have doubted Jalen Hurts and have potentially been looking for upgrades over the past year and a half or so is because he didn't have that draft capital. If they spent a first-round pick on him and they got this level of play, I think everybody would be pretty satisfied. And Hurts hasn't improved like Allen has, but he has improved. He was better in year two than he was in year one. Lamar Jackson has improved, again, not to the same degree, but... um, I think he's improved over certainly over his college years and and over his first couple of years in the league. So I I don't think Allen is the only one who's improved. He's just the only one who has improved to that degree. Um, So I I don't know that Willis has to replicate the Josh Allen arc for, for him to really be a hit in dynasty. Um, He, he's a guy that is, is oozing with upside. Sure. We got to quickly talk about that. Uh, the things on the field that we it's easy to really, really love. The compact release, and, you know, the, the, how quick the ball gets out of his hands. He's got the in- incredible arm strength and, and you know, the ability to, f- to laser a ball between a safety and a corner or between two linebackers in zone coverage. 
the incredible athleticism. That's all the things that you're talking about there, Matt. That, it's effortless. That give him the upside to be a top five dynasty asset, uh, at least in super flex leagues. I'm, I, I think there's enough negatives for me, or maybe not negatives, but weaknesses maybe is a better word for it, with Malik Willis that I'm not willing to take him with the first or oh. even the second pick in a super flex draft. I'm I'm concerned, and I know the draft capital is going to be there. We should talk about that as well. I, I just I have a hard time investing that much with this wide receiver and running back class available in a guy with with uh, just enough enough weaknesses that make me hesitate about not only his immediate upside, but maybe his long-term viability, because he has a lot of steps to make as a passer, which which is so important. I, I guess I'm really surprised, Dan, you and I haven't talked about Willis yet very much this this offseason, but I think a lot of the a lot of the things that could be said about Willis honestly could have been said about Trey Lance a year ago. And I know, I know he was a player Mm -hmm. you really loved. He certainly uh, came into the NFL with a lot of upside for some of the same reasons that Willis, uh, Willis is. And and Lance still has that. Um, You talk about draft capital. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Willis's stock has been rising since the, uh, since the combine. You talked about it earlier. I think he's, I think he's locked in as QB1, certainly in Dynasty. I think he is in the NFL draft as well. Grinding the mocks has him as the QB1 with an ADP of nine. Uh, so you look at the teams in the top nine, and, and of course things that have happened over the past uh, week or so has, has impacted this. Detroit at two, Carolina at six, Atlanta at eight, and Seattle at nine. I, I see as all possibilities for drafting Malik Willis. He's not getting outside the top ten, man. I just want to. I just want to uh, throw one more thing out there. I think one thing that's really interesting about him, and again, I've only watched maybe ten, eleven games of this guy, uh, but it seems like he's so much more comfortable playing outside of structure than within structure. Like he sometimes has difficult. It seems like climbing the pocket. Uh, you know, hesitating a little bit on decision making uh, when it's mm-hmm. a when it's a very structured play. But the good thing about that is that in the NFL, especially if he goes to a team that has a poor offensive line, what percentage of plays are there that are actually take place within structure? So I think that gives him a little bit of an advantage there, whether or not it means he's going to run more than he should, whether or not it means he's going to make mistakes or not. Uh, I just think that that's an interesting part of his game, and he seems more comfortable uh, when the play is basically when it's basically chaos out there, and that's what happens in the NFL. He holds the ball, waiting for that home run, yeah. home run hitter. You know, the big play down the field, and I just think going from the level he played at, and I, I get what you said about Lance there, Ryan, going from that level and the amount of speed that he's going to have to have to get up to. I think there's going to be a, a grace period, a learning curve for sure. sure. And and I don't know why, but if he goes that high, most likely he's going to be on the field early. And I'm just concerned about how quickly he can he can take those steps and, and become a better thrower of the football. Uh, but time will tell and we'll see. I, I don't want to act like, like he's the worst player <laughs> uh, that's considered or anything like that. Uh, of these of these quarterbacks, I still have him as the top quarterback. I still think he's a top five pick in super flex drafts. I just don't. I, I'm not willing to to put the number one. Is he your quarterback up. one in the class though? Yeah, okay. he is. Yeah, yeah. I want him as the quarterback one, and by a significant margin. Like I have, I have Malik Willis at five in the class, and don't have another quarterback in the first round of rookie Ooh, drafts. Wow, even in super flex. In Superflex, wow. yeah. Wow. I did want to throw out, I, I know I talked a little bit about my time at the Combine, uh, but Willis was such an interesting interview and, and got to listen to. Uh, two things that stood out for me, and, and you can decide if these are good or bad for you and, and for him. Um, one, he, he mentioned that he didn't really uh, like football or wasn't a football fan until he, quote, got good at football. So that was one thing that kind of stuck with me. Uh, the other was uh, he started his career at Auburn, transferred to Liberty for his final two seasons, and he mentioned that he did not expect to be where he is right now, that he uh, he viewed his transfer to Liberty as a chance just, just to finish out his college career and play out his time. So he did not have, uh, he did not have these high expectations that are, are upon him now. 
This is a fun conversation and one we can continue throughout this offseason leading up to the draft. We're certainly going to talk about Malik Willis again. But let's get to Garrett Wilson, Matt. Um, he's a fun guy to watch for sure. We talked about we've talked about a couple wide receivers already, but what are your what are some of the things about Garrett Wilson that you like when you watch him? I think I might have a new. I go back and forth between him and Burke, but I feel like I might have a new wide receiver one, personal wide receiver one uh, in this class uh, after watching uh, Wilson extensively over the last week. Uh, I just for his size, it's surprising about how often he goes up and gets those wins those fifty fifty balls that you see. Um, obviously, his his route running is really good, such sharp and crisp cuts. He's he's really savvy um, with the use of his head head fakes. He has this like this head fake jab step move that he does that just fakes cornerbacks out of their out of their shoes and he he's a pro at at changing the momentum of defenders coming after him in the open field so his body control i feel like is is one of the best in the class if not the best uh, especially in the air uh and he's just so versatile he, he can play any any of the wide receiver positions on the field he's probably going to play mostly slot in the nfl i would guess just because of his size but i think he can win outside uh he can win on all three levels of the field so uh, burst to separate quickly in short distances and that extra gear. There's there's times where you see the quarterback, you think it's going to be an overthrown ball, and that the last second he just jets ahead uh, of the defender and is able to pull to, to pluck those over-the-shoulder throws. So uh, really impressed with what I've seen from him uh, in, in my film study of Garrett Wilson. I, I think you read exactly what I wrote on my sheet of paper <laughs> here, Matt. The, the excellent head fakes, I had that written down. That burst off the line of scrimmage and the separation, especially on those uh, those crossing routes and those quick jab routes. Um, incredible. He gets he gets guys on his heel, on their heels, so quickly, which is, which just he, he really, it seems like he's only going to be a slot receiver to me. That he's not going to be asked to be a guy on the outside that's, that goes vertically. He's so good. He's got the pull-away speed um, after the catch. He's probably the best guy in the class after the catch because he completely obliterates angles from defenders. Yes. When yep. he gets loose, he's, he's gone. So he, he's also gotten way better at catching inaccurate throws. He's not the high ball, go get it above the rim type of guy, but he'll catch back shoulders. He'll pick it up off the turf and uh, he'll make those diving catches. So, you know, there's a lot to like about him. I think he belongs in the conversation as one of those top three or four wide receivers. It's really pick your poison, the kind of guy you really like. Um, But, you know, when it comes to his ADP, I think, Ryan, that maybe it's going to come down to draft capital and landing spot with him because it feels like we we need him to land with a quarterback that's going to get the ball out quickly and maybe a play caller that's going to use him that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we kind of saw this coming when it comes to to rookie ADP, especially with that group of wide receivers. You just said it, Dan, pick your poison. You know, Burks might be your guy. He certainly was pre-combined for so many, but he's he's dropped a little. Wilson has moved up. Drake London, uh, I would say, has kind of maintained as he recovers from his injury. And, and Olave, Wilson's teammate, has, has gained some steam as well. So, I mean, you're looking at, at three or four different, maybe even five different wide receivers that you could make a case for as that top guy. Um, again, grinding the mocks is a side I keep referencing. They've got Wilson as the wide receiver one in the NFL draft with an ADP of 12 overall. So uh, based on that, I am expecting him to be the top receiver drafted in the NFL draft somewhere in that, uh, that, that 10 to, let's say, 18 range. I, I don't think he's the has the highest ceiling of any receiver in this class, but I think he's the I safest. Agree. I think he's I – I, I, I just don't see a way that he's going to miss. You know, if he's if he settles in as a fan, I, I think the way team, he misses isn't the way he misses. If somebody expects him to, because of the speed and the burst, expects him to be that burner down the field and play on the perimeter mm. and just go stretch the field on every single play. If that's going to be the expectation, he's he's not going to be that guy. Sure, he'll make plays doing it, but he needs to he needs that role that Jalen Waddle had in in twenty twenty one as a rookie. If he gets that role, he's going to be all yak. All kinds of big plays. He might not score uh, double-digit touchdowns doing that, but he'll make enough big plays that he's going to burst onto the scene. Well, that is the downside with him. I don't think he's ever going to be a huge, huge touchdown producer at the NFL level. He did. If, if we're going to nitpick a little bit, if you watch enough games of him, you'll you'll see drops. Yeah. Um, somewhere yeah. he turns his head a little bit too early trying to get up the field, and those are a little bit maddening. Um, 
he struggles against contact. If yes. he, he can get rerouted off the line of scrimmage, but Ohio State like to stack him behind another receiver to keep the you know keep that press corner off of him, and that worked great. Lots of bubbles, lots of lots of tunnel screens and stuff off of those kind of looks, and you know the, those quick drags just turned into you know one or two yard throws down the field and eight or nine yards after the catch consistently. I think if he's used that way, he's going to be a monster at the next level. Matt Waldman, uh, sorry, Matt, Matt Waldman did a a great video on his, uh, I believe on his YouTube channel um, about kind of the downside of Garrett Wilson. And one of the things he pointed out was Wilson uh, will, will kind of clap at the ball uh, with the the two hands coming from outside in trying to grab it that way versus uh, essentially the hands working together to go meet the ball. So he had, I seen multiple times where he knocked the ball out of his own hands. Yes. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly (laughs) what he was mentioning. So, um, you know, it's just, just something to, you know, to kind of factor in and, and be aware of that, you know, none of these guys are are perfect, obviously. And and situation is going to matter a ton. I like him a lot. I, I have him over Malik Willis in Superflex. I, I could respect that. I think it's safe. I think it's a definitely a safer pick. I just think that the Willis, the prospect of Willis's value versus Wilson in year two is 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 higher. But one other thing I wanted to say that I liked about Garrett Wilson was that you know oftentimes like you know Alabama immediately comes to mind. We make excuses for guys like Waddle, for example, last season. Well, he played with so many good NFL quality receivers. You know, he just couldn't get that you know, that level of production that we want to see out of, out of, out of really highly drafted wide receivers. Well, Garrett Wilson did that. He's got, he's got one guy that's going to be a very highly drafted pick this year in Chris Olave. And then also, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know much about him yet, but everybody seems like this Njigbo guy is going to be even better than both of them uh, at the, the sophomore this past year. So I like that he was able to produce with, with other high quality assets on his team. Yeah, good point for sure. Uh, Guys, let's talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight, a daily fantasy site built for the rest of us. Instead of competing against professional players, Monkey Knife Fight is made for the average fan to have a chance at winning. Monkey Knife Fight offers the ability to play a wide variety of fantasy contests, including their popular more or less games, allowing you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less than his given line. In addition to the usual games for football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, you can also play contests in golf, soccer, NASCAR, UFC, esports, and more. Not only can you play these fun, unique games, but if you sign up at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, you'll get a free year of DLF Premium for free. Uh, Simply log on to our site, click the banner image for Monkey Knife Fight, and create a new account with an initial deposit. Monkey Knife Fight's going to match that deposit up to 100 bucks, and your DLF sub will be set up automatically within 36 hours. What are you waiting for? Go sign up today. Let's talk trade. Yeah, let's talk trade, guys. There was a lot of movement among the wide receivers in the news over the last week or so, and it started with our guy, Devontae Adams, Matt. He gets sent to Las Vegas. Packers get a couple of top 55 draft picks in the draft. But Devontae, it seems he wanted to move on. He wanted to play with his old college coach, wanted to play for his favorite team growing up, the Raiders. You know... It's difficult, hard pill to swallow, of course, as a Packer fan. Let's let's focus a little bit on his dynasty value, though, because this is a huge trade, massive even. Uh, Adams, he's still seen as the top route runner in the league, top release in the league. A guy that's going to be open for Derek Carr, can he can he stay at the same amount of production as he was with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I think he'll fall off a little bit, but I think it's, I think he's still going to be, you know, he's, he's certainly still going to be a wide receiver one in terms of fantasy next season. Um, but I don't think he's going to have the same, quite the same target volume, uh, unless, unless the other guys in the offense are, are just going to go, go away. You know, like we have Darren Waller. I know he had a bit of a down 2021 season. We have the upstart, uh, Hunter Renfro. Is he just going to go be going back to a, a bit part? I mean, I, I think the, the easy answer is say, yes, of course, Adams is going to get everything, but you know, McDan- with McDaniels coming there, we know him coming from that, that, uh, coaching tree in, in, uh, New England. That 
that they like to use lots of different pieces on offense. So uh, I feel like he's going to fall off a little bit. I'll, I'll hedge and say he's going to be like a, like a wide receiver six to 12 rather than a, than a top five guy in, in 2022. But I think in terms of if, if you're looking for a good re- receiving asset on your team, he's still going to, if he's on your team already, I don't think you're going to sell him for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar just because he's in a, you know, quote unquote worse situation than he was in the rest of the rest of his career. I think more more than likely, Ryan, if you're going to go buy Adams right now, you might you might pay ninety cents on the dollar as to what you would have paid a week and a half ago when he was still in Green Bay. That might still be worth it. We're still looking at a mid wide receiver one. I think on the downside yeah. in 2022, but his upside is still the number one overall wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah, I agree, and and you know we already see guys like Adams who are. Um, at the later part of their career, despite that uh, big contract ex- extension that he just signed, uh, 30 years old, his, his value is already going down just because of his age, just because it's the off season. That's, that's the trend we see every year. Uh, so you are already getting a discount on expected production. I think with the move from, uh, from Green Bay to Vegas and, and more importantly from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, uh, that, that discount grows, and that's a good thing if you're a contender trying to trying to target him. Quickly, guys, Derek Carr has has been serviceable the last few years, and that's without Devontae Adams. He's he's had weapons, but not a not a true number one guy on the outside. He's going to take a step forward. The expectation should be that he's going to put a quarterback one type season on the board. Ryan, what do you think of Carr's prospects in 2022 with Adams? Certainly trending up, trending in the right direction, um, but he's never really put that put that QB one season together. Um, the one year he was kind of on track to do that or had a chance to do that, suffered that injury. Uh, the year he was getting some MVP talk, um, so I, I don't know. I, I think we might be getting a little too ahead of ourselves with the Derek Carr talk. You know, if you want to rank him or value him in the, um, you know, in the range of Ryan Tannehill, you know, that's certainly the type of production I think we could expect. Uh, but to to bump him up to Stafford, to to even Rogers levels, which I've seen I've seen some talk of, I'm not ready to do that yet. Matt Hunter Renfro is is a guy that has had a lot of of pub here since about the midway point of the 2021 season. He's a slot receiver. He's not going to lose um, snaps or anything to Adams, but he's certainly going to lose looks. What are your thoughts on Renfro moving forward? Yeah, I, like I said, I think he definitely loses value, but I don't think he's. I mean, he was he was what? I don't think you were really going to pay a first round pick for him, right? So you're probably going to pay a second. Maybe you're going to play pay a late second now for him. I don't think anybody's going to be moving him for a third round pick at this point. So in terms of his dynasty value, I don't think really anything changes. But from a production standpoint, I think he definitely loses out at least on on some touchdown looks. Uh, and I, I really do think that Waller is probably going to, gonna, you know, maybe not completely return to, say, 20, 2019 or 2020 form, but I think he is going to be a, a more involved part than he was in 2021. So uh, I think if the, you have to pick a loser between those three we- primary weapons there, then, it, then it's certainly Renfro. It probably is. If anything, Renfro might have be, become more attainable sure. because of it, if, if you're a believer. Well, I think the thing with Renfro, and, and you know, we do this with Amon Ross St. Brown, that we excuse away his production because Hawkinson was out and Swift was out and they didn't have any other wide receivers. But it was honestly the same situation with Renfro. Um, you know, Edwards was, was terrible and Ruggs was gone because of his off-field situation and Waller missed, I don't know, eight or ten games or whatever the number was. That's when Renfro really kind of came to life and started producing. So I think it was already fair to question his uh, his value and his production level moving forward, assuming that Waller is healthy for a full year. Now to throw the best receiver in the game uh, onto that team, I think, honestly, I think Renfro kind of goes back to what he was in in 2020 and, uh, and previously. Um, the bad thing is Matt's right. His, his value wasn't there. He had to put up a wide receiver one season – just to get up to that <laughs> second, you round know, early, early yeah. second round rookie pick level. And, and now with, with these 
you know, concerns or doubts or questions, um, it, it, it's obviously going down from there. So, um, you're right. Nobody's, nobody's dumping him for a third. There's no reason to do that. There's no, no upside or ROI in that move, but, um, I think you might just have to hold and, and kind of see what we get there. The two most recent Devonte Adams trades has me thinking maybe we need to go out and, and attempt to attempt to acquire this guy. The most recent one that happened today uh, on on Monday we're recording here, Devonte Adams for a single 2024 first round pick, and then oh the one gosh, that happened just wait two years for it, <laughs> right? And then just a couple of days ago, Adams for Christian Kirk and the 109. So it is a super flex, but still, I think both of those are very reasonable prices to pay if you want to try it to go shopping. How about Allen Robinson, guys? That This one was a kind of a shocker to me. He signs with the Rams. Three years, $46.5 million. Going to be that second option in L.A. Um, Matt, I, I got to get your take on this because you're our resident Cooper Cup guy. Allen Robinson is a different kind of receiver than the ones they've had in recent years or, or at least last year. OBJ, maybe a little bit. He can get above the rim and make those plays in the red zone, something that Allen Robinson is so good at. Um, but Robert Woods is a different kind of receiver. He moves on now, and A-Rob takes over that number two spot. Are you concerned at all with Cup, or, or was it Stafford and Cup are so locked in that nothing's going nothing's gonna to change anything there? I actually kind of think this is, might be a little bit better uh, than Woods coming back, to be honest with you, because you're going to lose some maybe some touchdown upside, I think, to Robinson in the red zone. You know, he's such a monster in that area of the field. Uh, but in terms of like the between the twenties type type of plays, I think Cup is gonna is absolutely gonna outperform uh, with Robinson rather than what he might have done with uh, Robert Woods there. So uh, I, and like you said, I think they're just so locked in. They eat breakfast together every morning. These guys are, are are yin and yang. I think they're they're gonna continue what they did. Maybe he's not the wide receiver one overall. I've seen that thrown out in a lot of redraft r- rankings um, uh, this this off season. Uh, but I still think he's a he's a wide receiver one for fantasy. Ryan, in February, Allen Robinson had an ADP of 79, wide receiver 39, a guy that, that many people have moved on from after his time in Chicago in a horrible 2021 season. Now with the Rams, there's going to be a resurgence to that value. Um, being attached to Stafford, certainly the best quarterback he's ever played with in his career. It feels like Robinson has a chance with this new three-year contract in L.A. to to maybe regenerate some of that value and certainly regenerate some of the production that he had earlier in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're already seeing a, a value shift up about uh, up nearly a full round from that uh, that February data up to 69 overall in our current uh, March ADP. And I mean, everybody's going to talk about the quarterback uh, that Robinson's going to play with because it has been the narrative for so long that Robinson's never had a good quarterback. So yeah, Matt Stafford is going to be a big piece of the conversation and he should be, but even just playing in a, in a good offensive system is something that, that Robinson has never done with his time. Uh, in in Jacksonville and and Chicago and of course Jacksonville had those had those garbage time stats where Blake Bortles was throwing it all over the field in the in the second half. But uh, as far as a, a, an actual good offense, he's never had that, and, and now he's you know in arguably the best offense in the league. Uh, I, I think back to our our free agency preview show where we were looking ahead and. Uh, Dan, I think you asked us what's what's one move you want to make before free agency starts. Uh, I I don't even know what I said. Probably Juju Smith Schuster, I'm sure. Uh, but what I should have said <laughs> is buy Allen Robinson because if there if there was any kind of discount then uh, I think that's gone now. One word answer, guys. Allen Robinson finishes 2022 as the wide receiver blank man. 18. Oh, I was going to say 17. Right. 17. I was going to say 16. So right in there, wide receiver two numbers. Uh, There were three other big moves among the wide receivers, guys. Let's shoot through all of them at once. You guys can each tell me, tell me the guy that you're going to try to go out there and buy. Juju Smith-Schuster, signs in Kansas City, ideal landing spot, but a gross contract. It's really one year, $3.25 million, only $2.5 million guaranteed with $7.5 million in incentives. 
Then Robert Woods, he's traded to Tennessee. Rams get a sixth-round pick. Woods will be the wide receiver, too, with A.J. Green. Should probably help Ryan Tannehill a little bit, but we're not sure about Woods coming off the knee injury. Finally, D.J. Chark, he signs in Detroit. Another one-year deal, but he gets the real $10 million contract. Uh, Top wide receiver in Detroit? No, or is it Amon Ross St. Brown? Which one of these guys are you buying, Matt? I think the only one is Juju. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Juju's the one I want, um, not only because I'm super biased towards him, uh, but also because it's kind of a process of elimination. I mean, DJ Chark is a deep ball receiver with one of the worst deep ball passers in the league. Uh, this is this is not going to go well. Uh, I definitely still want Amon Ross St. Brown there, and, and I like Woods. That's fine, but we know that that offense is built around Derrick Henry and, and – um, uh, AJ Brown's going to pick up the slack from there. They also brought in Austin Hooper. So uh, I, I like Woods. He's cheap enough that he'll, he'll be a value and, and worth a shot. But uh, when I think upside and really paying off what I might invest, it's, it's Juju. Uh, Juju has the highest ADP of all these guys. He's at 89 wide receiver 44. I'll take the discount with Woods. Once again, I'll buy Woods when nobody else wants him. 116. Overall, wide receiver 55, and he's just going to have another fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three season as soon as he's back in that lineup. I love him opposite A.J. Brown. Uh, He'll get all the coverage, and Woods will just work underneath and catch all the passes. We said the same thing about Julio last year, just just (laughs) for the record. Yeah, well... (laughs) Julio, how many games did Julio play? <laughs> I don't know. How many games Four, Woods five? Play? And even when he did play, uh, he wasn't the same Julio. Hopefully Woods comes back from the injury. I know he's almost 30 as well. I'll, Like I said, I'll just take the discount. Holy <laughs> cow, that's like a 10th round draft pick. Uh, let's jump into our next segment. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. This one's a fun one, guys. It's from Ridley Truther that's why on you Twitter. No, that's not me. Uh, <laughs> but he and I have something in common, that's for sure. He had an interesting one. We talked about some quarterbacks. We, we kind of glazed over Mitchell Trubisky signing in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago, guys. And uh, Ridley Truther asked, what's the lowest you'd trade Mitchell Trubisky for? In Superflex, he added his best offer so far is the 210 in this year's rookie draft, and he said he said he'd rather hold him at that price until injuries happen. So an interesting guy certainly gained a little value in the last month or so, Ryan. If you're selling Trubisky right now in Superflex, what's the lowest draft pick you're taking? Uh, it would be higher than 210. I would have turned down yeah. the 210 as well. I don't think that's really all that close. Uh, I mean, there's there's some thought out there that any starting quarterback in a super flex is worth a first round rookie pick in general. I don't know that I totally agree with that, but I think I think Trubisky. I need at least like the two one two two to even consider it. Uh, in that range, we're talking about uh, based on our current rookie super flex ADP. George Pickens is two point oh one. David Bell two point oh two. Desmond Ritter two point oh three. That's kind of the the bottom line of what I would be looking for. But in general, I, I agree with uh, with the listener. I'd rather hold Trubisky and see if the value spikes uh, during the regular season. No, I was about the same range. I'd want to be up in the range where I could snag Ritter if I wanted to, which is that early to mid-second, I think. Yeah, the 210 right now is the Carson Strong, Trey McBride, Zamir White, Kyron Williams, right right around there. Um, according to our most recent Superflex ADP. And that's all going to change, but Ritter's going to go early in the second, most likely. Maybe he slides to mid-second. I think I have to do better than Ritter to move on from Trubisky. There's a there's a better than 0% chance that Trubisky plays well enough that he this isn't just a one-year thing in Pittsburgh, that he, that he could turn this into a multi-year contract with the Steelers, 
a place where there are weapons already in place. They're working on the offensive line. They have a running game or should have a running game again in 2022. There's things to like about Trubisky landing in Pittsburgh. It really feels to me like maybe that 13-14, that sounds all right, because then you're getting into Jamison Williams or George Pickens or David Bell, one of those guys. But when you get beyond that, you're you're taking a shot on one of these other, you know, the second or third tier quarterbacks, the third or fourth tier of running backs or wide receivers, and I'm not going to do that with a with a guy that I expect to be the starter for 17 games for the Steelers. Can I, can I get a 23 first? I'd like to do that. No, I I doubt it. I don't probably so. not. But if he can, I think I'm taking that though, right? 23 first. That that quarterback class. You know, there's a lot more more hype about that class than this one. Yep. Uh, let's move forward, guys. Dynasty rankings. I think this music is perfect, fellas, for what we're about to talk about because it seems like there's been some quarterback musical chairs over the last uh, last few days and certainly the last couple of weeks and some guys that we haven't gotten to yet. In fact, they, their transactions just happened. We have Matt Ryan traded to the Colts for a third round draft pick, Matt, and they get a they get a third, so not not the most compensation. Once again, it'll be a veteran quarterback taking over that Colts offense, which has some weapons and a good offensive line, something that we couldn't say about Atlanta at least recently, uh, or at least in in twenty twenty one. So Ryan moves on to the Colts. What are your overall takes for Indianapolis in that offense? I think it's an upgrade from Wentz from last season. So, I mean, I don't think it's a huge upgrade or anything, but we know Matt Ryan plays best in a dome. He's going to a dome. You know, you could argue outside of Pitts, his weapons are going to be better, certainly at the running back position, right, um, in Indianapolis. So I think I think Pittman and whatever, T.Y. Hilton and, and whoever else they throw out there as a receiver, they have the big Mo Alley-Cox uh, just re-signed with them too. So uh, I think it's kind of a lateral move for, for Matt Ryan, maybe a slight uptick, um, but I think the rest of the weapons there are, are as, I guess, are the same thing, a slight uptick, because I th- do think he's going to be more successful than Carson Wentz was. Speaking for all dynasty managers and super flex leagues, we're not. We were not comfortable with Matt Ryan as our quarterback too. He, he most recently the quarterback twenty four in Superflex ADP. Ryan, did, does that move up at all, or at least are you more willing to to roll into twenty twenty two with him as your second quarterback in a Superflex league? Uh, I'm I'm more willing. Yeah, I, I do think it's an upgraded situation for Ryan. Um, I, I agree with Matt. I mean, if you even look at last year, which is viewed by most as as Matt Ryan's worst year of his career, I think he, I think he played better than Carson Wentz did with worse weapons. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's an upgrade. Like I said, for really for both sides, for the Colts and for Ryan, I don't know that. You know, at his age and still with relatively limited weapons, I don't know if it's enough of an upgrade to make him a real trade target or or locked in as a uh, as a weekly quarterback. Too given, uh, I mean, we know he's not going to run. Obviously, um, doesn't have much to throw to right now outside of Michael Pittman. Uh, we'll see how they address that. Uh, so yeah, I would say just a just a slight value bump right now. So we're looking at quarterback 20 to 25 right in that range for Matt Ryan, even even with the move to the Colts. How about Marcus Mariota? Signs with the Falcons. This feels like like a gift. If you have Marcus Mariota on your roster, we were all kind of hoping and praying that he could he could walk into a starting gig somewhere. Now the Falcons, he's he's the number one guy in the depth chart, at least right now. And he got a contract that that suggests that he he will be starting, that he'll play for the Falcons. He's been unranked by most rankers, even in Superflex leagues, Ryan. So I, I imagine that has to change immediately. How far are you willing to move up Marcus Mariota now that he's in Atlanta? We were talking about Trubisky. I think I think Mariota's kind of in the, the same conversation there. Obviously a few years older than Trubisky, but um, offers a little bit of upside uh, as an athlete, on uh, as a rusher, um, not not nearly as good of uh, weapons as as Trubisky will have in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we're 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 talking still, um, 
you know, in, in the low twenties or, or mid twenties, you know, probably outside of that QB two range, but on the fringe, um, I think I'd rather have him than Matt Ryan actually. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that's I, what I was going to say as well. Yeah. I don't Matt. disagree with that at all. I've, I've moved him basically right next to Jameis Winston, but like you said, in the, in the low twenties, like I think it's like 23 and 24, something like that. And Trubisky is right there as well. So I think they're all in the same range, but uh, I, I agree at least for next season, I think I would rather have him than Matt Ryan. The most interesting part of that whole thing is Mariota reunites with the Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith, who was the play caller and offensive coordinator in Tennessee in his final years there. So, you know, clearly Smith wanted, was on board with Marcus Mariota taking over. Um, Clearly he was on board with the Matt Ryan trade. You know, he got, I think it was 18.5, $18.75 million over two years, which, which is low end starter money. Right. But he hasn't started for a couple years and was considered kind of a, kind of a gadget player with the Raiders. And, you know, he'd come in and run that zone read and and things like that. He, he hasn't been seen as a starter for a couple of years. Now, maybe that time with the Raiders, he grew a little bit. If he could, if he can just step up a little bit with his timing and his rhythm, become a better timing passer on top of that athleticism. I think there's a path to him being a top 15 scoring fantasy quarterback again. So, you know, that, that that's a risk I'm willing to take in super flex leagues. If I'm looking for that second quarterback, I'm just not sure what it's going to take to get him right now. Yeah. I mean, at, at his, at his expected cost. And, and I still think it'll be relatively low, whether you're talking about um, a, a startup draft or uh, a trade in a current league, you know, we talked about, we mentioned Tannehill that, that took uh, Mariota's job in Tennessee. We really want, we want Mariota to follow that same path because Tannehill was the first round pick who didn't work out in Miami and 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 got uh, dealt to a, a different situation to serve as the backup. And now, you know, not not quite the same uh, path as as uh, Mariota had to sit behind uh, Derek Carr for a couple of years, but um, th- th- it sh- certainly shows us that there's there's a chance that happens. I mean, he. He, he was a former first round pick. This is a, this is a talented guy. We just need to see if he can put it all together. I think the reuniting with his his former offensive coordinator is is the most interesting part of this because I mean that's the guy who ultimately right b- benched him in Tennessee. So um, you know usually we think of those um, situations where a coach and a player are reuniting or two players are reuniting as former teammates or something. We think of those as, as all positive and, you know, kind of rosy situations. And uh, I, I would imagine that's, that's a difficult uh, ordeal to go through when you decide to bench your former second overall draft pick. And, and now here they are back together again. I'd love to know if yeah, it yeah. was an Arthur Smith decision that benched Mariota or if that was the head coach or the front office or the owning ownership group, anything like that. Because I think Smith wanting him back suggests that maybe it, that wasn't his yeah, idea to, to send him to the bench. So uh, it's going to be fun watching what happens in Atlanta. The last quarterback we need to talk about quickly, guys, is Jameis Winston. He re-signs with the Saints, gets a couple of years on the on the new contract. Again, starter money, it is, it, we all assume. Currently, the quarterback 27 in our uh, rankings, in Superflex rankings. Now back with the Saints, Matt. Um, things were fine last year, right? But he had Sean Payton, and Sean Payton reined him in. We'll see what happens now that there's been a coaching change. Maybe Michael Thomas will be back and healthy. What are your expectations for Jameis Winston? Uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I think he he learned under the tutelage of of Drew Brees and maybe learned to reel it in a bit. Um, and I think he was he was pretty good last season when he was healthy. You know, mm-hmm. seven seven games. Four, uh, averaged two touchdowns a game, had that obviously that massive game against the Packers in week one that we don't want to talk about ever again, you know, and only three interceptions in seven games. So uh, I'm, I'm optimistic as long as he's healthy and ready to go. I mean, the weapons are certainly a question. 
seems like Michael Thomas is going to be back, uh, at least as of this recording. So he's got at least one weapon he can rely on. We'll have to see what happens with Kamara and his legal troubles. But, you know, the, the weapons have never been really that that spectacular. They're outside of, of those two guys. So um, I'm 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 in on him. I, I think I'm in on him more than Mariota, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay. Um, I, I thought he played well last year as well. I mean, the numbers uh, the numbers show that also, I think. Um, so to think that he was doing that with, with almost nothing or, or yeah. no one to throw to last year, and now he gets Thomas, I, I'm I'm a believer that the Saints use that first round pick on a uh, on a wide receiver. So if that's the case, obviously, and even more of an upgraded situation, uh, and and like Mariota, like Matt Ryan, and, and some of these other guys, he's still pretty cheap. So if we're talking about those three, Jameis Winston is the one I want uh, for. 2022 and and beyond. Yeah, I completely agree as well. If you're looking for a quarterback two and super flex, Jameis is your guy out of these three. Although there's reasons to be excited about all three guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. Follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Matt Price, he's over at MattPriceFF. I'm DMiler22 on Twitter. And, and get at the podcast, at DLF Podcast. Get your questions of the weekend. Tell us about the trades you're making. Is anybody that we talked about this week, or are they new to your roster as well? Why do you believe we want to know about it? Hit us up and we might talk about it right here on the pod. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.